Good morning, everyone. Please open your Bibles to John 12, 1 through 8. If you're using the Pew Bible, you'll find your reading at page 898. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. May God bless to our understanding this reading from his holy word. Let's pray. Almighty God, uh, as your word has been read, as uh, you have given me charge to uh, proclaim it, I ask that you would give me your help. And I pray that you would give us all ears to hear, eyes to see, and uh, hearts to receive and obey your word. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, in an article in the Washington Post, uh, they posted the results of a very respected survey that showed that a record share of Americans attend church uh, that it attend church regularly or are bothers to affiliate with, um, oh boy, I messed that up. Basically what's happened is the Washington Post has said people are not as religious as they used to be, they don't go to church as regular, regularly, and um, over the past 30 years, the decline has been steep. Only 43% of Americans attend some type of religious service, at least monthly. This suggests that most Americans uh, believe what you're doing this morning is a, is a big waste of time. Most of your fellow citizens value doing other things besides attending worship. Being somewhat near the beach, many of your neighbors uh, are choosing the sun and the sand over worship. Others may be choosing Disney or golf. Still others value uh, running errands, or sleeping in, or just spending a quiet morning at home doing nothing. And they choose that rather than the worship of God. Many, many would say that you are not only wasting your time, but you're also wasting your money by giving uh, money to the offering. And so it would make no sense that you would do this. Let me say this uh, by way of parenthesis. It's no trickle of money that's collected in the offerings each week. Our budget is 300000 
We average between $5,000 and $5,500 that come in each week. Um, The beginning of the month is always significantly the the largest Sunday for giving. Um, And the beginning of the year and the end of the year typically see greater giving that helps make up for some of the leaner summer months. But typically it averages out between $5,000 and $5,500 each week that comes in. So over the past four years... Well over $1 million has been passed through these small little offering plates. So this is no small trickle. And also, let me say, uh, as I think it's important to say, I don't know who gives what, nor do the elders. Bill Sams and Chris Jackie uh, count um, the monies and deposit. They record it and deposit the weekly offerings. But my point here is that there are many of you that give faithfully, sacrificially, and joyfully. And you do this not because primarily of your love for Westminster Presbyterian Church. You do this because of your love for God. And you see it as um, an act of worship, which it is. But according to the statistics that I uh, gave at the beginning, there are many of your fellow citizens and neighbors who think that you are absolutely foolish. You're wasting your time and your money. But you and I know that our being here is not foolhardy. Rather, we know that it is a tremendous privilege to gather in the presence of the eternal God with His people and worship Him with all of our being, with our time and our treasure. This morning, I believe that one of the things that God wants us to understand here in our passage is that worshiping Him is never wasteful. Even though people may be like Judas Iscariot here in this passage, who thought it was foolish that Mary was wasting a an entire pound of very expensive spikenard, uh, this perfume that she was pouring on Jesus' feet. Even though your neighbors, maybe even extended family members, may think you foolish and accuse you of being wasteful, God receives our worship as a fragrant aroma of our celebration of His glory and grace. We're going to examine the worship that was offered to Christ here in John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. And then we're going to go back um, and look briefly um, into our souls to understand why we are so compelled as God's children to worship Him. So what's happening here in the passage? Jesus had to flee the town of Bethany after He had raised Lazarus from the dead. He'd been out in the wilderness region, and uh, he'd been out there with his disciples, but now the Passover is drawing near. There's only six days until the Passover. But uh, less than a week away um, was the Passover, and so Jesus is now headed back toward Jerusalem. Remember, Bethany is only uh, 
couple of miles at the most outside of Jerusalem. And so he is stopped by Bethany. He stopped at Lazarus' house to visit with Lazarus and his two sisters. And they honored Jesus with a dinner. They threw a, a dinner for Jesus and his twelve disciples. What was Martha doing? Martha was in her typical role. She was always a gracious host. She was preparing the food. She was serving it to her honored guests. And she was making sure that everyone was well cared for. Some of the sermons that I read this week, um, they belittled Martha for serving food rather than worshiping at Jesus' feet. But I appreciate Spurgeon's observation that we should not uh, belittle Martha because Jesus did not scold her for doing what she was doing. He did not um, chide her uh, or rebuke her for her service. Now there was on another occasion, you will remember, at the end of Luke 10, where Jesus did admonish Martha. But He didn't admonish her for serving. Rather, she, He admonished her for complaining about her sister. But here on this occasion, um, in John chapter 12, Jesus nowhere scolds her. And this instructs us about worship. Not everyone can be in the pew on Sunday morning. The choir has their part to do. Uh, they practice on Wednesday night so that they can be ready to lead us on Sunday morning. Dale and Bonnie um, are engaged in leading. Chris Jackie's up at the soundboard uh, running the sound system. Uh, and there are those who made the same effort to come to worship as the rest of us, but they're back in the nursery caring for the children. In other words, work done for the Lord is an act of worship. Martha, in serving this dinner, is worshiping Christ, honoring Him. She's taking her gifts and putting them into practice uh, in service of the Master. There are a lot of uh, background jobs that are done around the church that nobody sees. There are a lot of tasks, sometimes tasks that, that, that involve dirt, grime, dirty diapers. But they are done so that the ministry of the church can go forward. These tasks are glorifying to God. For the record, I'm glad that I'm up here preaching back in the nursery, changing diapers. Um, but I'm glad and thankful that there are those who are doing that so lovingly. These acts are acts of worship when done for the King of Kings. So that's Martha. But then there's also Lazarus. What's Lazarus doing? Well, look at verse 2. Uh, so they gave a dinner for him there. Mary served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. What's Lazarus doing? He's reclining at the table. He's visiting with Jesus and with the twelve disciples. Is he worshiping? Surely he is. In fact, I suppose the most important way that he is bringing God, to, uh, bringing glory to Jesus at that very moment, is just sitting there and breathing. You know, just a few weeks earlier, just a short time earlier, he had been dead and in the tomb. 
But here he is, a living testament to the divinity and glory of Christ. But the one who really captures our attention is Mary. It was customary to anoint um, an honored guest with a little perfume when they came into your house. People didn't have uh, closed-toed shoes. You know, they didn't have clothes that covered their 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 entire feet as we do. They were out walking on uh, dusty roads and paths, sometimes in mud. So I suppose it was very refreshing for everyone in the house to sprinkle a little a little perfume on the guest uh, on their feet. But Mary seems to go overboard. She took an entire pound of perfume and she poured it on Jesus' feet and then she wiped it with her hair. Verse 3 says that the entire house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now this had been done before to Jesus. Remember in Luke 7 there was a prostitute who had trusted in Christ. And she did the same thing, but she did it only with a small bottle of perfume. That probably was all she could afford. But she added something else to that small bottle of perfume. She added her tears, tears of joy and thankfulness that Christ had looked upon one like her and saved her from her sins. But the question still before us. What possessed Mary to take an entire pound of expensive perfume? And it was very expensive. It was uh, spikenard and oil extracted from some type of plant. They don't know exactly what type of plant. But she took the entire pound and poured it on Jesus' feet. Why would she do this? When Mary had been at Jesus' side when He raised her brother from the dead, She had witnessed the glory of God as her brother stumbled out of that tomb. It appears that she had considered deeply what all this meant. Here is this one. She believed he was the Messiah, but he was able to say, "Um, I am the resurrection and the life. Lazarus Lazarus come forth, and he came forth from that tomb. And it appears that she was able to make the connection, maybe even more deeply than the twelve disciples, that Jesus was God. And so here in our passage, as Jesus is here in their home, she's overcome with deep and reverent love for Christ. Spurgeon, um, I think, came up with a the best explanation of why Mary did what what she did, and, and it was very simple. He said, what she did was the deed of a soul all on fire. And so here's Mary pouring out a pound of oxnard, of, of, of spikenard on Jesus' feet, wiping them with her hair. And here's Judas sitting over... Um, at the table, and you can hear the sneer in his voice. But when Judas Iscariot, verse 4, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Mocking her. Presumably said in her presence, What does Mary do? 
She ignores him. She doesn't bother offering an apology. She doesn't bother even looking up, so it seems. And so Jesus then uh, rebuked him in verse 7. Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my, for, of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. She's so engrossed in what she's doing. She doesn't stop. She doesn't pause when Judas uh, mocks her. Why a whole pound of, of, of spike nard? Why couldn't she just have used a little? I think her using the entire pound is a picture to us of what true devotion to Christ really is. True devotion to Christ is not half devotion to Christ. True devotion to Christ is not just a portion of devotion to Christ. If you are devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are His follower, if you call yourself His disciple, it means that you have given yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ completely. How did Jesus say it? If you're not willing to hate father and mother, sister and brother, yes, even your own life, you cannot be His disciple. And so she, I imagine this pound of ox, of spikenard was all that she had in the house. And she poured it all on His feet. What is your devotion to the Lord Jesus? Can you say that it is all? That it is complete? Have you given yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you taken, are you taking up your cross daily and following Him in true discipleship? I often used to wonder, why are missionaries willing to give up their lives to go to another country? And uh, give up the the luxuries of um, Western culture to go into to uh, cultures where there's often outhouses and no uh, plumbing uh, in the house. Why would they do that? Why would others sacrifice so greatly? Why would you, as you do, sacrifice your time? for others in this congregation. Sacrifice your time in worshiping God. Sacrificing your your treasure in giving to the church and being generous to missionaries. Well, the reason is the same reason why Mary is pouring out this pound of spike nard. She loves God. And I know you do too. True faith in Jesus Christ. And this is what I'm driving at. True faith in Jesus Christ is a supernatural faith. Religious faith that simply moves you a little bit beyond indifference is no faith at all. God gives us a faith that motivates our will, that shapes our mind, that shapes our character, that uh, energizes our heart. We are moved emotionally, but not just emotionally. Our wills are moved. We are moved in our actions. We make decisions based on our love for Christ. 
We make decisions. We make sacrifices based on our trust in God's sovereignty. And when we love God, we do so simply because of who He is. We have tasted and we have seen that He is good. We love Him. Our hearts are moved. Our wills are moved. We sacrifice for God. Not because of what He can do for us, but simply because God has regenerated us. He has poured out His Spirit into us. We are new creatures in Him. And we read His Word, and His Word is sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. And we desire Him more than anything. And holiness is the passion of our life because we want our lives to be pure and be an accurate reflection, even though we're sinners and very inaccurate reflection, but as much as is all possible by God's Spirit, we want our lives to reflect out the glory of God to a watching world. Why do we do this? Because of God's work in us. And I have seen it and witnessed it in many of your lives. You pouring yourselves out and it's really God at work in you. And I want to, to encourage you, fan your zeal to flame. Read His Word and seek His face and ask Him to continue fanning into flame this faith that He has given you. Don't neglect it. If you're here this morning, and this is all strange language to you, what do you mean pouring your life out, giving your life wholly to the Lord Jesus Christ? I would urge you, seek Him. The prayer that God loves to answer is the prayer of God, reveal Yourself to me. Jesus, save me from my sins. Let's pray together. Almighty God, I pray for a church full of Marys, and not only Marys, but also Marthas, putting our, um, our gifts, our time, our treasure, all into use for Your kingdom and to seek after You and Your glory. Help us to be a people that worship You uh, who are able to look outside our own interest because we are so enthralled with You who have loved us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.